Welcome back to another episode of Black Law and Legalize, where we specialize in telling the truth. I am Just Ann, one of your hosts. You can follow me on Twitter at I Tell Legal Lies. You can follow the show across all social media platforms at Black Law Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Dan, a.k.a. <laughs> Dan on Drugs, and you can keep up with me on social media. I am Dan on drugs. Wow. Today, ladies and gentlemen, after 30 minutes of <laughs> medical procedures, uh, we're, we're going to talk about uh, there's... Compensation in, after exoneration. Yeah. We, we talked about an episode early on where there were two guys that were in Louisiana. They spent 30 and 36 years wrongfully convicted. Um, they got out. One of them was... The, the state refused to pay mm-hmm. and he was fighting that until his death. He died yep. of cancer. Yep. The other guy, I think he got like a small, small amount Very of small. money. Correct. And that he gave up 30 something years of his life. So right. apparently in Maryland, there is no formal um, vehicle for compensation after you're exonerated of after you're exonerated from a conviction. And, in particular, what brings this up, several weeks ago, three black men were actually exonerated and freed after they had spent 36 years in prison in the state of Maryland, I believe it was Baltimore, um, for murder. So, And what's, what's worse about this is these young men, two of them were 16, the other was 17. Spent 36 years of their lives in this prison for killing someone. And how they got exonerated was because that was so like, I, I, I want to say it was through the Innocence Project, but I could be wrong. But it was through something like the Innocent Pro, Innocence Project. And they found so much exculpatory evidence and in case y'all don't know what exculpatory evidence That's is. That's evidence that wasn't submitted during trial. It's evidence that will clear you of the crime. Okay. Not necessarily not submitted. There was exculpatory evidence. And as a rule of law, if you are the prosecution and you find exculpatory evidence, you have to turn it over to the defense. They never turned it over. Ooh. So literally these three young men... In 1983, on Thanksgiving morning, woke up to their doors being busted in by the police. And they were taken. They were um, questioned. And later they were convicted of this crime. And the crazy part about it is they were convicted of murdering this, this other young man for a jacket. You remember back in the day? Starter jacket. Mm, y'all had these started. Well, his he had a, a Georgetown jacket. Mm. And there were witnesses that came forth that said that they saw these young men, well, one of the young men with the jacket after the murder. Big piece of evidence that convicted them was a Georgetown jacket that one of the young men had. But that particular jacket didn't have any blood on it, did not have any uh gunshot residue nothing and the young man's mother real quick so they shot 
the person who they took the jacket from, they shot that person. Right. Supposedly. There would be some kind of bullet hole or something in the jacket. Exactly. No blood, no gunshot residue. Young man's mother, whose home they found the jacket in, had a receipt for the jacket. The um, place where she purchased it from, the sales lady testified that the lady had purchased the jacket shortly before then, yet they had eyewitnesses who said they were the ones. These three young men, they were in high school, but they had like skipped class to go back to their middle school to talk to some, you know, hang out, talk to some teachers. What mm. high school students, they do it all the time. And this is what happens. So fast forward 36 years. One of the young men, he constantly was fighting to get hold to the whole police file. And he was constantly in contact with um, lawyers from like the Innocence Project and other organizations like that. And eventually they get this file and they look, they look through it and they find all this evidence that was never given to the, to the defendants. So they get out. All right. They got out. What's crazy is in that same um, file that they received, there was someone else who actually confessed to it. And that person was seen leaving the scene of the crime in a jacket like Georgetown jacket yeah and so all of this like I said these young men spent 36 years of their lives they are in their early 50s now have most of their lives taken away from them and the state of Maryland has no formal vehicle to compensate them for that wrongful conviction and they were convicted because of the, I'm not even going to say negligence because this wasn't negligence. This was something that was deliberate. These prosecutors knew that they had this evidence, but they did not obey the law. They did not turn it over to the defendants. All right, fast forward, that prosecutor will not be brought to justice because they have since died. The lead detective on the case can't be located. So, I mean, how the fuck can he not be located? Can't be located. But 36, like I said, 36 years down the line, most of the people involved in this case. So, have they gone to look at other cases that this prosecutor had and to see if um there was any other evidence that was like withheld? That? Yeah. Well, um I don't know if they have, but the guy, let's see which one because there were three of them. The guy who actually was the impetus for all all this, the one that would not give up, who was doing all of this, he literally said that there are so many people like them still in jail, and he's planning on continuing the fight for these people. The worst thing, something else, reading this story and just like looking at all the little different facets of it brought back um, something from an episode that we did. Remember we did an episode and you asked a question about the legalities of the cops speaking to underage people. Yep. Well, in the state of Maryland, there is not a law against it either. Hmm. So um, 
in the in the files that they had, it's crazy though that people actually wrote all this stuff and they had all this evidence in it when they um interviewed the eyewitnesses who were all underage. They did it without parental permission and they did it without parents in the room. They did it in a group and supposedly the um lead detectives told them all get y'all story straight you know and so it was what do you call that again um co co not is that coercion yeah i would call it coercion i would call it coerced because after the fact every last eyewitness recanted that was also in the file like they all went back and recanted their statements but that was never given to anybody either See, and that's that bullshit there. The well, let me ask you this: prosecution, wrongful prosecution, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, what's the general, I guess, disciplinary act there, for wrongful prosecution? There are there are statutes that um, basically compensate you. That's the thing. But what so, about the actual prosecutor themselves? They, they can they can actually be charged with crimes. You know, po- prosecutorial misconduct. They can they can be charged with with that. You know, of course, lose the job. You can also be charged with a crime. But in the situation where you have police officers, you know, they have to go through a whole um, IAD situation. You know, yeah. they have to have the investigation, and then they too can be prosecuted if they, you know, malfeasance in office. You can you can be prosecuted for that, but that doesn't compensate you for for these young men. Thirty six years of my life that I lost, and then you get out, and Maryland does not have That's anything fine. in the law that would formally allow you to compensate me for that. Can they sue civil the state civilly? They can sue they can, the prosecutor. They and could, the- they could try to sue the state, but you know governments governmental units have a certain immunity exactly and that's why i'm always saying you can't sue the government <laughs> and you always you, you always say you can't you sue can, the government you, you can but. sue you can sue but like i said you can sue anybody but how about they, this the um can you sue i witness fault for false eyewitness testimony i would say that and when i say you can may- you sue you, is it you, viable? I could try. You could try to make a case that it was defamatory. Like slander. Right. You mm-hmm. know, I can I can see you trying to do that. But, you know, all these things have statutes of limitations. Yeah. So for them, it was it's over with. But like I said, and just just to give you a little breakdown of this, there are 17 states that do not have laws that will compensate somebody if they are wrongfully accused. Well, if they are wrongfully convicted and then exonerated. Let me guess the states here. Do you have them? Do you have them up? Because wait, hold up, hold up, hold I'm up. pretty sure. Wait, wait, wait. Because I have the ones. I have the ones that do oh, actually okay. compensate. So I'm just gonna assume that on that list, Maryland's not on that list. Of course. Let's take. Tennessee off of that list. All right, let's see. Hold that. See if you're right. Tennessee does compensate. Alabama. 
Alabama does compensate. Huh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say Wisconsin is not on Speak up some. I'm gonna say Wisconsin's not on that list. So we're going Wisconsin to... does compensate. Okay. This has gotta be it. Michigan. Michigan does compensate. Man. So yeah, we need to know what the states are then. Uh, Cause I'm thinking I was either thinking either southern states or now, honestly, there there are some though that um that have these statutes for compensation. But here's the crazy thing: if you plead guilty and then you are later exonerated, that's not the same as being found guilty, right? Okay. But if you plead guilty and you're later exonerated, you cannot seek compensation, which is stupid because how many of us black and brown people actually are told to plead guilty by our legal counsel so that we can get lesser time? Less time, yeah. And that that's, that's something else, too. I mean, since I'm asking questions around the room, I want to start with you, Becky. Um, okay, you get charged with a crime you didn't do. You take it to trial, you're facing 10 years, okay? Or you um you plead, you plead down, you plead guilty, and you do six months with another two years probation. What would you do? I mean, lesser time sounds great. I said lesser time sounds great. It does sound great. Yeah. Um, I think I would have to consider my family situation. If I was the, uh, I mean, because life doesn't stop when you're <laughs> when you're in jail. How do you know? You've been there before. Hmm. I visited jails. Oh, have you? Mm-hmm. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. Ah. What jails you visit? It was a Civil War jail. My nigga. Wait, no, my nigga. girl didn't say a Civil War jail. Yeah, come get on camera. I'm gonna need you sta- <laughs> stand in front of one of these cameras, please. <laughs> No, well, if you. that's the case, um, I visited jail too. Mm-hmm. I visited Alcatraz. Alcatraz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I still want to go there. Isn't that where Al Capone died? Yeah. Yeah, I want to go there. I love Alcatraz, honestly. Yeah. So, like, I, like I said, oh, like I was saying, I would probably take into consideration my current situation if I was. <laughs> well, into consideration wait, wait, your my your current, current situation. situation. Yeah. Because all right, is it a lituation? No situation. But like, if I was a single mom, or if you know, and I had no other, you know, and you know, you you just need to be out for your kids. Yeah. See, and that that honestly, since since we are talking about the law, and we like to focus on things that um, affect or largely affects black and brown people and other people of color. Think about that. And we've talked about that on shows. We can't afford high dollar lawyers. And most often than not, we are the single source of provision for our families. So if we had the choice of pleading guilty, getting a slap on the wrist and getting out so that we can care for our children. See, or- and what's so fucked up, though, is the... The things that you don't think about at the time and much like, okay, we were talking about black and brown people. We already know about the wealth disparities, but we think now we think right now, because I know a lot of people like to say 
think about the future, plan for your future, do this. A lot of us can't. We need to worry about right now, now today. Right. Because so, in the future, because tomorrow, if I don't go to work today, yep. tomorrow my lights might not get paid. Exactly. Tomorrow my rent might not get paid and me and my family will be out on the streets. You're absolutely well, yeah. right. The I agree with you. Future, so you don't think about when you plead the future ramifications, which is now you have a criminal record. Right. Sure. You might not have done any time. You might have got a slap on the wrist and you, you were able to stay. Okay. Well. Your job closes or you need a new job. Now, these days. Hard as hell for you to get one. Exactly. And you, and you probably will not because the minute that they, because everybody, everybody does background yeah. checks these Like days. it didn't used to be like that. Only certain industries like government. I mean, even McDonald's. Banking, yeah. Do background so checks. I got a cousin right who, um, he's a felon. He got out. He's looking for a job. And he was checking the box on the applications. And I think there's some sort of bill or some sort of somebody, they want to get rid of that box. But mm. he was, he checked the box. So no one will hire him. So I thought, I straight up told him, I said, look, bro, don't check the box. If they run background checks, they'll catch it. If they don't, you'll at least be able to work for a little while until it catches up with you. I mean, it's not illegal to huh. go work at McDonald's and say, and say not say that you've been convicted right. before. Now the thing is, honestly, since we are being honest, um, there are a lot of jobs that do not do background checks, even though they you give them permission to do so. Mm-hmm. There are some that do not. I can do name one right check. now. I can name two actually, <laughs> and one's kind of scary. Um, truck drivers. They aren't required. I, I mean, I'm sure. Depends on the company, but I have a friend who uh, he came. He just recently visited, but bus drivers, multiple felon bus drivers, okay. school bus drivers. Oh yeah, with that recent uh, incident on the highway the other day. Man, the school bus drivers down here in New Orleans, right? Because I like to talk about New Orleans, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yo, they had this one bus company, and he did not have insurance. He did, he did the not bus have had licensed. not passed cons- inspection. He did not have a license, could not get one because of his criminal his background. Exactly. Yet, he was driving the exactly. bus. Exactly. So, I mean, it's, it's hard, but I would say, knowing what I know now today, if I did not do the crime, I'm sorry. I'm fighting it to the end, even if it's with a public defender because I can't afford a top dollar lawyer. But catch me at 20, 21, 22, probably, I look, would probably I need to plead. Be out. Yeah. But I could tell you what, that and that actually takes us back to the beginning with these three young men. The one who actually was doing all the fighting, getting all the paperwork, he could have been out of jail a long time ago. And the reason why he's he did not get out of jail is because at every parole hearing, you know, the very first thing they want you to do is accept responsibility Tell for him your you're sorry crime. and yeah. Mm-hmm. He refused to say he he has gone in saying that he was innocent and when he went before the parole board, he still maintained his innocence and they kept denying him parole because he refused to say that he was guilty and the man was like i would never have said he would have if this had not happened he would have died in jail because he refused 
to accept responsibility for a crime that he knows that he did not commit. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. I'm not sure if you're uh, familiar with the story of Reuben Carter. Mm-mm. Okay, he's uh, there's a movie about him. Denzel played him, uh, Hurricane oh, Reuben yes. Carter. Yes, yes, Hurricane. Yeah, yeah. same same situation. He exactly. refused. Right. But like, so local, going back to an episode, um, in the future we're going to have an episode where Ann talks about her experiences in New Orleans as far as crime goes. But going back to an episode a couple of weeks ago, last week, as a matter of fact, when we we're talking about um, some solutions to the problems with crime, one of the things that I said was more policing. Uh, back home, I talk about how we had patrols. Like if you sat on your front porch, you would see you the would same see the police car mm-hmm. like five, six a lot of our neighborhoods see I, I, and I thought about this as I was saying it and after the fact a lot of our neighborhoods become it, it's almost we're targeted because poor black people live here so mm-hmm. you know police love to say we don't have quotas we don't have mm-hmm. bullshit because your your performance reviews are based on the number of arrests Crimes, the number and, the number of people uh, the number of criminals that you've gotten yeah, off the street pretty much so mm-hmm. It's it's almost like even with the stop and frisk in New York, mm-hmm. you you didn't see white men in suits that look like stockbrokers getting stopped, Get and, stopped searched. and frisked. Right. Black black dude, baggy clothes or these days tight clothes. Uh, so mm-hmm. yeah, I thought about it and I'm like, it's almost like profiling. You profile these neighborhoods. That's correct. And you know that. So that's the that's the one flaw, I guess, in my solution is adding more police to the neighborhood is a lot more innocent people being targeted for doing absolutely nothing. nothing. And we right. have this thing, too, where I saw this happen. Uh, I'm going to find this clip and share it on social media somewhere in D.C. So some guys are outside of a corner store, convenience store. They're sitting around talking. Guy walks up. And he looks like just the rest of the dudes out there. No different. Walks up and leans against a gate. Nobody's acknowledged him. No one said anything to him. So these dudes are still out there kicking the shit or whatever. And they're videoing it because it's just like they're out there having fun and cracking jokes. Mm -hmm. Within seconds of the guy walking up and going to the gate, police roll up. up and they jump out. And first person they grab is a guy that walks up and went to the gate. So they found a firearm on him. So everybody got the charge. No, he, well, he, the guy, they pulled the firearm out and they said, oh, okay, you got a gun. Now we're searching everybody. So if you're watching the video, you see the guy that they pulled the gun off of, mind you, we're talking DC, strict gun laws. He just walks down the street and gets in the car, drives off. He was a plant from the police department. They basically wanted a reason to search the rest of the people and mm -hmm. inside the building. Mm -hmm. So then they go inside the building. But the whole time I'm watching this video, I'm hearing the way our youth, our people are talking to the police. They're meeting aggression with aggression aggression and hostility. Right. And that's never a good thing because the police already feel like. I have authority over you. And you already feel because I'm walking into the situation with a bunch of black men. I'm all, even though I'm the police and I do, I am the authority figure. 
they anything feel could threatened. happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They feel threatened. So it's like, I'm looking for a reason. Yep. And to be aggressive with you. Mm-hmm. And that's so, exactly what it was. So that, that whole thing was a setup. And it turns out DC police, uh, they're called M- MPD, I think. They've been doing that for years. They've been sending either informants or detectives into places to give them to probable cause. Right. And that, that's just fucked up. So that that's the flaw, I guess, in, in one of my things. But going back to these guys in Maryland... I think a lot a lot of the times with these situations, I know people like to say it's not about the money, but it is because you've taken 30, 30 something years. Thirty six years. You've taken majority of my life. That's that's majority of my life. If I live to be 70, you've taken half of my My life. life. Right. I don't think there's any dollar amount that's going to compensate. No, but. And then the trauma from being in jail. Right. And then, you know. My thing, though, yes, it is about the money. And no, there is no amount of money that can compensate me for 36 years of my life. But when I walk out of jail, I'm walking into absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. I do have family. So if I did and do have family that supported me through these 36 years, sure, I am going to have somewhere to go. But I'm walking out of 36 years. I have no money. I have no car. I have no place that is mine to call my own. I have no job. I have literally have nothing. But if you can compensate me in most of these things, like I know some of them, um, there is a limit. I know, I think in the state of Louisiana, you can get up to $250,000. That was five. That's, that's the max. Hold up. No, five's for medical medical malpractice let me see, let me see. so why she looks that up so louisiana has a max of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. okay so two hundred fifty thousand dollars to me for 36 years of your life is nothing do the math on do the math on that real quick yearly 250 divided by 36 that's, that's like six what eight thousand a year maybe six thousand six thousand something that is nuts oh, well yeah, six thousand. What we doing today? What we doing today? Six thousand nine hundred forty-four dollars and forty-four cents. So seven, a year. about seven thousand so dollars a year. year for seven grand a year. Do me one more favor. That's not even minimum wage. Divide, yeah, divide that by fifty-two. <laughs> That's not even minimum wage, man. So, I mean, so but you said it earlier. You cannot compensate me. You can't. You cannot compensate me and that is literally happening every day over and over and over and over again to people of color disproportionately and that calculates out to a hundred thirty three dollars and fifty five cents a week per week and it costs more to keep you in there than right yeah not even not even minimum wage and we we just wanted to bring this subject back up because of this. But like I said, this is something that we had talked about before. And when you think about the mass numbers of black and brown people who are incarcerated in the United States right now, what percentage would you think are innocent? I, I would go with high 30s. I was thinking along the same lines. Really? Yeah. I, honestly, 
surprisingly, y'all would think, I actually think it's higher than that. Could be. You know, because you think you think about people just in the state of Louisiana. I'm thinking about people who were convicted of crimes in the 60s, in the 70s. Or you know? in the 80s, like the cases we looked at where we didn't have DNA evidence. We exactly didn't have, right. Yeah. And more and more people are being exonerated because of DNA. Right. So you think about, especially in the Deep South, in those time periods, how many... Men and women went mm. to jail on bogus charges, you know. So, or, or they, like we said, pled down pled, to something yep. else. You just so, pled, and you know what? Before before we finish, I'm thinking about a case, and I think we've talked about this before, where the guy went to jail on a bogus charge. Eventually, it was found that it was a bogus charge. But while he was in jail, he killed somebody. So he Remember that? Caught more charges, yeah. Right. So it's like. That should be a wash, though, if you ask me. So here, I'm going to just leave you all with this. This is how my brain works. And if you prosecute me, misprosecute me, or maliciously prosecute me, whatever the punishment is that I've done, so. Let's say I do one year in jail. I want you dead. Let's say I do 10 years in jail. I want your entire family dead. <laughs> Prosecutor, your wife, your kids. It's not, it sounds fucked up, but I'm for real. You because, want the whole generation. Yeah, like to- much like I said about the Snickers bar. Like, okay, yeah, 10 years for a Snickers bar. That, that, that'll that like get people to stop so trying ba- to sniff. Basically, is the shock and awe yeah, version of justice. There's so many people, they don't accountability right like as citizens we're supposed to be accountable for our action police are not accountable for their actions the 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 prosecution yeah district attorney like the whole judicial system nobody is accountable these judges aren't accountable damn straight so i I can 100 percent agree with you on that what we need to do is if you fuck up the you die well i'm saying this not so much you die, but I and, do. Oh, yeah. And your family die. <laughs> I do believe I will agree with you about being accountable. And that is that's the issue. And that is the issue that we we talk about a lot because the judicial system is broken. It is. And I can admit to it being broken. We need to fix it. And we've offered solutions other than wiping out you and your whole family but give them i mean i mean we've we've talked about viable solutions to fixing but the thing is what i've come to the realization of as with any of our other systems that are broken you know like the welfare system in our country it is broken like what makes you say that I'm sorry. What makes you say the welfare system is broken? Because it's so easily subverted because it's so easy. I mean, we just talked about a friend who's on Medicaid Mm -hmm. and it's like, okay, it's so it's so easily, as I said, it's subverted. It's it's so easily manipulated. Our systems are broken. They need fixing. But those broken systems. And I don't think it is a coincidence that these systems that are broken 
inordinately, disproportionately affect people of color. That is not a coincidence. My thing with the whole welfare system being broken is, yeah, we know people and I'm sure we all know people, y'all listening, who um, I know you, you know where to go buy some food stamps mm-hmm. or, you know, we talked about that or mm-hmm. um, you know how to get around, like we said, Medicaid or mm-hmm. housing vouchers, mm-hmm. shit like that. Mm-hmm. But at like there's a line where and this has always been my thing because I grew up on public assistance is where where do we stop as far as pun- punishing or making it more difficult for the people who actually need, need it, it. Mm-hmm. versus trying to, you know, weed out the what is this? Like, I think it's 10 percent around give or take eight who, to 10 percent. Yeah. So you we can do a lot to overhaul and make it more difficult. But that also that affects families. And my biggest thing is. I don't really care. And I say this a lot. I don't care much about the adults. It's the once children. it starts affecting the children, these right. children aren't eating but, these children. Think about this. Just just practically. How many times have you tried to overhaul this system? Clinton did. That's the last I remember. It's like we don't really try to overhaul it because the minute that you start trying and all Clinton did was that whole welfare to work thing. Right. And how how did that go over? It didn't. And honestly, every time we try to overhaul the system, there's this massive pushback. Yeah. Because, I mean, I've said it before. You said it before. I believe Becca said it before. The government needs black and brown people to be on welfare. Yeah. They do. Well, I mean. 100%. It, right. It's like there is no incentive. You they make, don't want us off. Yeah, you make that. And that's like we talked about in an episode prior. You make. OK, in in New Orleans. <laughs> and this is actually true because I was talking to somebody from uh, who who has lived here their whole life and they worked in the the welfare system, system. as far as with the mm-hmm. state and whatnot. It's generational. Yes, it to is. To where your grandma was on welfare. Yep. Your mom was on welfare. Yep. You on welfare. Yep. More than likely. Your children are going to be on welfare, so on and so forth, right? And you find nothing wrong with that. And we've talked about that before. And and as your grandmother, I'm going to tell you how you do it. How you game the system, right? Exactly right. But the the thing is, and I I said this in the last episode about as far as solutions, um, violent crimes and stuff, is paying people livable wages. See, if. I hear a lot of people talk shit about, you know, like, oh, McDonald's workers want $15 an hour and this and that. Let's just throw the throw the the dollar number aside and say for whatever city you're living in, there's a pay me a wage that allows me to clothe, shelter and feed myself and my family. Right. I don't want to live in a penthouse. I do. I just and I'm just saying I don't want to live. I don't want enough money that I'm living in a penthouse, but I want enough money that I can live in a place that I'm proud to live in. Yeah. That I'm not living in a place where there's litter all over the place. You know, they may have broken. You know, I don't want to live in a rat trap. I don't want my children to live in a rat and trap. And also, as as far as living somewhere where you're proud of, you also, it helps to go 
work somewhere that, that you're, you're proud, proud to be. So it's like if you paid and a lot of companies, they they like, hell no. Nah. But at the end of the day, us as employees, I'm an employee Ann's an employee. Becky's an employee. And I'm sure if you're not an employee, you have been at some point. For those of you listening, we are the ones collectively who make you money as far as these companies and corporations. Uh-huh. We're the ones. Without us, you have nothing. Multi-billion dollars. Multi-billion dollar companies. Amazons. Amazon. Jeff Bezos Bezos can't do that shit by itself. Yeah, the thing is, I can I can honestly say from everything that I've heard about Amazon, Amazon doing the damn thing. You know what I'm saying? Amazon is actually Amazon actually pays their workers. No, they treat their workers like shit. Becky's mother worked for Amazon. I don't know, man. From from people that I've heard, they like they love Amazon. The drivers, I can tell you the people that are driving those new Mercedes Benz, Amazon things, yeah, they love their jobs. But the people that work at these warehouses, they have these strict guidelines to where you need to pick they or pull uh X amount of packages uh-huh. per so long and it's almost to the point where it's the these goals are unattainable becky um what was what was it with uh your situation as far as your mama well with amazon it was a temporary position thanks mm-hmm. no but he's he's trying to figure out what is it that she had to do that she said she, she was a picker yeah basically. so she said that the goals that they wanted her to meet were she didn't tell me about insane. Any of that. No. Okay. Well, I have heard from multiple people. So, and one of the things they have this big warehouse in Texas, right? Mm -hmm. They will not allow you. This might have changed, so forgive me if I have outdated information. But they won't allow you to listen to music. So you're basically in a warehouse. You're walking back and forth and picking boxes. Can't have music. You can't have jewelry. You can't have your cell phone. You can't have your Apple Watch or any wearable devices. And Things things like that actually can help productivity if you're working physical labor. But um, you're supposed to pull, I'm making this up, this number <laughs> up, 100 packages every An hour. hour. And you're in a 80,000-square-foot 80, warehouse where one thing's over here, one thing's over here. That's one order. So you go get those two things, you bring it back, process it. Now you have to go pick six things that are, it's like, it's just so unrealistic, and I know the person that I talked to said the turnover rate was crazy. Massive. Yeah, because these these goals couldn't be met. They wouldn't fire you, but you would you would be disciplined in in other ways to where it, it basically made it to where you just don't want to come to work anymore. Right. But the drivers, I talked to some of the drivers because I was interested in doing that shit part time. Just jump in one of that shit and go throw uh, packages. They love it. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the people that I, I've never talked to people working in the warehouse. But, okay, so go back to what we were talking about, um, compensation statutes. And I mentioned that there were 17 states that did not have these statutes. There, I apologize. There are actually 15 states. By the way, the federal government does have a compensation statute, and a District of Columbia does have a compensation statute. There are 15 states that do not. And those states are Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, Delaware. All the A's. Georgia, Idaho, Kentucky, 
New Mexico, North Dakota, Oregon, Pennsylvania. Well, I be damn. Hmm. Rhode Island, South Carolina, South Dakota, and Wyoming. So literally, you go to jail, wrongfully convicted. You later get exonerated. Not out of luck, bro. That 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 list seems um like a patchwork. Like generally, it's states kind of yeah. Yeah, it's everywhere. Man, so. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if your state does not, if you're in one of these states, you should petition. I mean, what what can people do? Petition. Maryland as well. They do not have a form of compensation. Petition their Congress people, their senators. Um, I don't know. Yes, absolutely. If you like, in in the case of the three young men who were exonerated, the um, I believe the. District attorney, let me see. The um the district attorney who um the current district attorney that um well the Baltimore City State Attorney State's Attorney, she is actually now petitioning to have a formal like, you know, City of Baltimore has um apologized. But, oh, that that's good enough then. Well, they good, huh? <laughs> you know, apologize. So even though they've apologized, like I said, there's no apology that can compensate for that. But Maryland does not have a formal statute that guarantees compensation. From what I understand, though, they could be compensated, but that's at the largest of whomever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yeah. I can ask for it, Maybe I'll think about giving it. Maybe I'll get it. Maybe I won't. But with a formal statute, something that the law says you have to compensate these people for, you can get it. And so, as I said, there are states out there that do not have that. Congress people do listen if enough of us make enough noise. And let me I want to end on this note here. And it's going to seem irrelevant until I get to the point. I have a hard time with watching kids these days. Um, They're tied up in technology. They're in the house all summer playing their video games. They're, you know, on their phones, Instagram. Some of them, they're, they're pretty creative. They'll do like little skits and stuff for the Internet. But most of their lives are lived digital, digitally and indoors, right? Mm-hmm. So I've always had a problem with that. I'm like, kids should be outside. They should be active. They should be doing shit. And maybe that's just the old-fashioned in me, but I think it teaches life skills in doing so. How to, just, how to interact with other people. How not to be so isolated. We're living in the most, this era that we're in now, these people are like the most isolated people have ever been. And coming from a person who is isolated, I can tell you that a lot of these motherfuckers online on Instagram that look like they're living it up. They're fucking lonely. They're in the house all the time. And the reason I say all that is to say, though I take issue with it, it also keeps these kids out of jail because it was nothing for us in my day to be playing football in the middle of the street or playing tag, playing in the neighborhood. Police roll up, 
and harass us, arrest us. And like I said, we'll get charged with something and then leave with a lesser charge or whatever. So it's like there's a benefit to this digital age, which is you're off the streets, so to speak. But it's like I feel like y'all need to be out there in the streets. But do you, the, I mean, I don't know if I agree with that whole isolation thing. I think people are fucking lonely, man. I, I, but you know what? You can be lonely surrounded by a group of people. I often am. All right. So, I mean, but I consider and the way I look at it, things like <coughs> Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, they tend to actually shrink our world because they allow us to see people that or interact with people that we would not normally be able to interact with because we are in different places. Now that I can see expands the world then. Right. It 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 does. So that's why but I can see your point as far as if all I'm doing is sitting in a room with my phone or with my tablet or with my computer and the only people that I am connecting to are people online who I don't really know if these people or who and what they say they are. But still, I mean, it like I said, it, it, it expands your circle of people that you speak with. So I don't know about that whole isolationist thing. I know about the whole, but you're even though we still should, children still be out playing. I mean, it didn't hurt us. And yeah, you know, the cops might've harassed us, but then too, this is a different day and time. Yeah. And, and the to cops, Mayor Rice, you know, the cops, of, right. The cops of old are not like the policemen of today. The, the internet, right. That's actually okay. So I was saying on a few screws loose, right? I don't even consider me having a circle as far as friends. I consider it more or less a triangle or maybe a rectangle. So yeah, something, you know, not as, but I interact daily with dozens of people on Twitter Mm-hmm. Because that that's the only socializing that I do outside of people that I legit know. And in watching in watching social media, I can see when people are doing shit for attention. I can see when people are are just it's like these some some of these people like under 30. They grew up with social media like they've had social media, maybe All not 30, the, let's say most, 25 most of their lives. Right. Mm -hmm. So that is a way of life. So the more followers, the more likes, the more this, that and the other. And then you got the cyber bullying. Like people take this Mm -hmm. shit serious if somebody unfollows you like that even makes news when that shit happens with celebrities. So and so unfollowed some who gives a fuck, man. These people are like, it's like you have to be a lonely motherfucker to give a fuck about shit like people unfollowing you. Well, you know, but that's because people who you don't know. But that goes back to what I said about inter being able to interact with people that you otherwise wouldn't. And so, you know, your your theory about isolationism, that is their form of communication. So that's they the lunchroom. Yeah. But, but think about it. When we have people that we know, our friends, we want validation from them, right? People that we know, yes. Right. Me? So, wait, wait, why you ain't ask me? Shut up. 
<laughs> we we do. I mean, it's human nature to seek validation from someone that you like. True, but I think people are using that too sensitively because anybody can be my friend, right? But that see if I and am, then, if, and then they're taking it to another level by monetizing it. Well, if my my only friend and my only circle of friends are the ones on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, if that is my friend base, then I I need my validation from my friends. So, yeah, it's going to mess me up if I'm trying to get validated by these people and they ain't liking me. Mm-hmm. So, and that's why Instagram took away the likes, the so people can't see like how many likes you get on stuff. And I don't know. I just think social media plays too large of a role in people's lives. That's just, this millennial generation. I mean, social. I'm media, a millennial. Social media, it's their lives. And I saw this tweet too. This is it. This is it. We're wrapping up right here because <laughs> this 20 minute episode is only an hour and 23 Stop minutes. Stop playing. Oh my God. Um, I saw a tweet that says baby boomers and all you older motherfuckers stop calling everybody younger than you a, a millennial. millennial. Ah. It's like everybody that's younger than me, period, is a millennial. No, there's an age range. And I want to say it's from like 22 to 38 or something like that. So technically, I'm a I'm a millennial. I don't. I don't um, associate myself with someone who's 22, 23, 24 or whatever the lower age range was. But it's, it's like these people call everyone who is younger than their like 50s or whatever millennials. I just thought thought I'd say that. So this has been a another 20 minute episode. I just thought I said this could be a 20 minute episode if you chopped it into two. It's too hard to do that and have cohesion oh cohesion man. cohesion so anyway ladies and gentlemen check us out every social media platform at black law podcast i am dan you can find me on twitter and ig at i am dan on drugs merch this has been a another amazing episode of black law and legalize you've been hosted by me afro becky oh they've been hosted ahead, by you they've mm-hmm. been hosted you mm-hmm. heard that and I'm just Dan, and I'm glad that you took the time to be hosted by Retarded Titty Becky. <gasps> RTB. Oh. Oh, yeah, good. and follow me on Twitter at I Tell <laughs> Did you know in that episode that you missed, did you know that a woman can milk a man, right? Excuse me? Did you know that a woman can milk a man? You have man boobs? I'm not. Uh, I'm asking. Do you know if you can do you milk know that you can milk woman, their sperm? Yes. Mm-hmm. So go back and listen. To that. I'm telling you, listen to that episode because Becky was talking about how she milks me. It was rather interesting. Peace out, people. Later.